NASCAR season is here, and everyone on the Toyota racing team is doing their part to perform at the highest level. From driver Ty Gibbs to amateur musician Russell Viper, who's working on the perfect pre-race pump-up track for the team. Start those Camrys up! Yeah! To accomplish greater things this year, everyone plays a part. Be part of the action at toyota.com slash racing. Toyota, let's go places. NASCAR is a registered trademark of National Association for Stock Car Auto Racing, Inc. This NASCAR season, every member of the Toyota racing team is doing their part to take the trophy home. Like sixth grader Melissa Kowalski, who changes true to true X on every true false quiz she takes. All my teachers are Martin Truex Jr. fans now. Keep up the great work, Melissa. To accomplish greater things this year, everyone plays a part. Be part of the action at toyota.com slash racing. Toyota, let's go places. NASCAR is a registered trademark of National Association for Stock Car Auto Racing, Inc. The following is a production of the Motor Racing Network, the voice of NASCAR. The Motor Racing Network presents NASCAR Live. White flag is out. Joey Logano's on the back bumper of William Byron headed to turn one. One last shot for Logano. Can he get to the back bumper? Here they come off turn two down the back straightaway. Byron with the lead. Logano is second. Joey looking to the inside. Not close enough in four. Wind the clock for William Byron off four, and he will win tonight at Martinsville. Career win number four for Willie B. I was definitely disappointed when the caution came out, but I haven't haven't won a race with a late restart and, and felt like I um, could learn some things from that. So definitely learned some things and, you know, kind of missed the corner down there. The tires are cold and you can't, it seems like you can never get them cleaned up enough. So uh, I tried to, but he got a run at me and luckily I was able to hold him off. NASCAR Live is brought to you by Lou Emu Maximum Pain Relief, the official pain relief cream of NASCAR. It works fast, and you won't stink. And by Toyota. For the latest Toyota racing information, visit toyotaracing.com. From the MRN Studios in Concord, North Carolina, here is your host, Mike Bagley. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of NASCAR Live here on the Motor Racing Network. Mike Bagley and the entire MRN crew with you as we look forward to a cup truck doubleheader on the dirt at Bristol. Last year's truck race winner. On the Bristol Dirt, Martin Truex Jr. He's going to join me on the show today. Also joining us will be Ricky Stenhouse Jr. He's going to discuss what it's going to take to get to victory lane on the dirt at Bristol. Plus, we're going to visit with Stuart and Jessica Friesen. They are a husband-wife combo that will be driving in the truck race that you'll hear on the Motor Racing Network this weekend. The cup race will be run on Easter Sunday night. Alex Hayden is going to drop by to give us the history of NASCAR racing on Easter Sunday and we'll have a whole lot more. But first, to get us going, as always, Kyle Ricky is here with the latest headlines in NASCAR Nation. Kyle? Mike, we are doing some dirt racing this weekend, and there are numerous Cup Series drivers that will be doing double duty to gain some extra experience. Last year's Cup Series Bristol Dirt winner Joey Logano will pilot the number 54 truck in Saturday's NASCAR Camping World Truck Series race for David Gilliland Racing. His teammate for this race will also be a Cup driver. Harrison Burton will be behind the wheel of the number 17 for DGR. Austin Dillon will also race on Saturday night in the number 20 truck for Young's Motorsports. Those cup drivers will join dirt specialists like Buddy Kofoid, who will drive the number 51 for Kyle Busch Motorsports, and Jessica Friesen, who will be in the number 62 truck for Homer Friesen Racing. 
Justin Allgaier won't be taking advantage of the off weekend for the NASCAR Xfinity Series as he'll be headed to Bristol to drive the number 77 car for Spire Motorsports in Sunday night's Food City Dirt Race. Allgaier will have his familiar sponsor, Brant Agriculture, on the car, complete with corn cob numbers. Finally, Goodyear and Darlington Raceway have announced an extension of their partnership. The May 8th race at the track Too Tough to Tame will once again be the Goodyear 400 as part of NASCAR's annual throwback weekend at Darlington Raceway. You'll hear all three races of that triple header weekend at Darlington right here on the Motor Racing Network. Mike. Thank you, Kyle. Coming up, Martin Truex Jr. will join me. And later, we'll sit down with Ricky Stenhouse Jr. Ruoff Mortgage wants to welcome you home with their fast and stress-free mortgage process. Ruoff knows that when you're ready to move, you want to keep things moving. From the moment you start, Ruoff makes sure the process moves quickly, often twice as fast as other lenders, so you can close quickly and settle in sooner. Visit Ruoff.com to learn how you can qualify for the fastest loan of your life. That's Ruoff, R-U-O-F-F.com. This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. Welcome back to NASCAR Live. Last year, Martin Truex Jr. surprised a lot of people when he not only won the truck race on the dirt at Bristol, but he dominated the dirt truck race at Bristol. I had a chance to sit down and visit with MTJ as he looks to discuss this weekend's racing at Bristol, the changes to the track, and when he thinks teams will have a good grasp on the next-gen race car. One last-ditch effort. However, the white flag goes in the air. Martin Truex Jr. for the final times in turn two. For the last time for the man that says he doesn't do too well on dirt, he's doing pretty well here today. Martin Truex Jr., he's been dominating here in this race. He has the advantage. Some five truck lengths back to Ben Rhodes. A day late, but definitely not a dollar short. Here comes Martin Truex Jr. to the line. Martin Truex Jr. scores the upset and wins the Penny's truck race on dirt at Bristol. What have you learned about this race car that you feel you've got a good grasp on? Well, you know, we uh, we made some really big strides last weekend at Richmond, um, you know, our short track stuff compared to how we ran at Phoenix and just starting to understand kind of, you know, we, we kind of understand what the car needs or what it, you know, what it wants. It's just really figuring out how to get there, how to get there in 15 minutes of practice, um, you know, getting our sim all lined up so things are, are correlating properly and it's been a huge challenge. I mean, our guys are working their tails off. I mean, day and night. And um, it's just been hard with limited track time to get where we need to go and figure out how to get there with this thing. Um, it's just so different. Um, the mindset, the approach. Uh, if you looked at setups on paper, you'd say that, you know, there's no way this is going to work. It's just completely, totally different than what we've done in the past. You know, you bring up a good point about practice. You used to have almost three hours of practice a weekend. Now you have just 15 minutes, maybe 20 minutes, depending on the weekend. It's almost like you're not setting the car up, but you're shaking it down to make sure it's right. Is that what this exercise is now? Yeah, that's exactly what it is. I mean, you are you're uh, you can do some some small fine-tuning stuff, really. I mean, basically all you can do is, is stuff you can kind of do in, in um, you know, in the race, small adjustments and... You're not changing springs and, and you know, big setup items, uh, geometry and things like that. You're just, you know, changing a little bit of wedge here and there and, uh, and air pressure for the most part. And um, so, yeah, I mean, it's 
it's uh, it's made it definitely difficult. You know, you know right away in the first five to ten minutes of practice what you have and whether you're going to be good on the ra- in the race or not. You know, so it's um, your your bed's kind of made once you get there. You and James have worked together for a while, and members of that pit crew have worked together for a while. With all of these unknowns that you're dealing with right now, is there a certain level of trust that you fall back on more so than normal? What you guys used to do? Do you have to work more cohesively together? considering you're in that unknown boat every single weekend? Yeah, I mean, I think that we definitely have a lot of confidence in, in you know, our process and what we're doing, and we kind of trust in that. So I let, I let them, you know, I let James and, and Jazzy and those, those guys kind of run with that ball and just can try to continue giving them feedback on why and what and how it feels and what, this is, what that felt like, what that felt like, and just try to put all the puzzle pieces together. So um, I, I'd say that... I'd say that we probably discuss things more thorough right now than we, we did in the past. You know, past it was kind of short answers, like, you know, just because we had experience with the car. And, and it was like we had, you know, a handful of things that we wanted to, wanted to play with and we could pick and choose. Now it's there's so many options on the table. So just trying to explain to them what I'm feeling and then, you know, them explaining to me why they're doing what they're doing and, and trying to understand it all. So it's um, it's been a lot to take in, but it's been fun. You know, it's been a fun process to do this all over again. And um, I think our guys have done a great job. And I, I've got a lot of confidence this weekend because, like I said, uh, you know, the gains we made from Phoenix to Richmond and, and our car was amazing last weekend. I wish we... Uh, yeah, I wish we could have played that strategy out just a little bit a little bit better, but that's that's the way it goes. It was a lot of fun to race there on Sunday with a car like that. We're back at the dirt at Bristol this weekend. How do you think this time through will be different than the last time through? Um, you know, it sounds like the track's a bit different. Um, there's going to be a lot of differences, I think. You know, they kind of put some progressive banking in it to try to help the higher side work and um, get the side-by-side racing going a little bit more. Uh, we're going to race at night. It's probably going to be pretty cool. Uh, hopefully keep some more grip in the track. Hopefully it doesn't get so dried out and dusty like it did last year. Uh, and then of course, you know, as we've been talking about the new car, what's it gonna, you know, what's it gonna be like? So a lot of big differences, I think. A lot of big differences, but uh, that was a ton of fun last year. I really look forward to trying it again. You just mentioned something there. Every week we go to these tracks and we don't know what we're going to get. When do you expect to get some relief for that? Could it be as simple as the next time through to a track or is it going to take a couple of times going back before you get your arms around it? Yeah, I think the next time around for sure. You know, I think, you know, we have a lot less unknowns and we wouldn't all be be so uptight about, about this if we had, you know, let's say an hour of practice and, you know, an hour or two between practice and qualifying to work on our stuff. It's just right now, it's just, you're so locked into what you show up with. It makes it tough. Good times there with MTJ. Coming up, we'll chat with Ricky Stenhouse Jr. And later, we'll look back at NASCAR's history of racing on Easter Sunday. Sir, are you aware you were going 40 miles an hour? This is a residential area. Sure, but I'm on my lawnmower. Wait, am I getting a ticket? No, I've just never seen anyone top nine miles an hour on one of those bad boys. And mow their entire lawn in 30 seconds? What got into you? Well, it did fuel up at Sunoco this morning. At Sunoco, we know how to fuel peak performance. We've been doing it for American Racing for over 50 years. Fuel your best. This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. Welcome back to NASCAR Live. Ricky Stenhouse Jr. is one of the most experienced dirt racers in the NASCAR Cup Series. He showed that prowess last year 
when he finished second in the inaugural race on the Bristol Dirt Track. So what's it going to take to finish one spot better this year? Ricky sat down with our Steve Post to discuss that and more. You and I spend a lot of time talking about dirt track racing. Most of the time it's about sprint cars, but uh, let's talk a little bit about dirt track and NASCAR, Cup Series racing, Bristol dirt. Uh, let's actually go back. What, what were your takes on it with that second place finish and just these cars on dirt last year, Ricky? Uh, my second place finish, I was definitely bummed that, you know, we, we kind of ran out of laps there. I think they at one point cut our segments from 75 to 50. And I felt like we had a 75 lap run car. You know, in practice, we kind of set our car up. Uh, we weren't the fastest, but we felt like our tires held on good. Uh, you know, cause last year the tires were a lot softer and, than what we're gonna have, you know, coming into to this weekend. But Brian, Patty and I, we sat down it's like all right we're not going to be the fastest but you know we have a car that we feel like will be easier on the tires and have something to race people at the end and uh it almost came to you know perfect storm but um finished second definitely anytime you can finish uh, in the top five of a cup race it's, it's something to you know to be uh proud about uh it's it's a tough series and you know, right now we uh, we need a little good good run. So uh, we've had a, a rough stretch here, and uh, but you know I really like the fight in my guys. They've been working hard. We've all been working hard together, trying to figure out the short track program. Uh, I feel really good everywhere else. Uh, we just got to figure out the short tracks. Ricky, I'm I, I'm curious about this. Your dirt track racing, even when you do it now, is in a in a wing sprint car which is significantly faster than a cup car going around a dirt track. What was that sensation like? Is it relative because everyone else is the same speed? What was that sensation like with the cup cars on Bristol? Uh, the cup cars on Bristol, I felt like was more, almost like when I raced the ARCA car at Rockingham, you know, and you're on super old tires and you're sliding around. Like that's the feeling I got. Um, or, you know, you're like a, I've never raced it, but I've watched, you know, some, some races at like, you know, Pensacola five flags, uh, you know, when, when those late super late model guys, you know, when the tires wear out, you're just sliding around and it's almost like a slow slide. Like you're not, it's not like really fast. And so that's the kind of sensation that I felt like I got when I went, uh, you know, to Bristol, uh, you know, at the start of the race, obviously with the track conditions, the way they were, it definitely had a lot of grip and you could run the car really hard. And, but then when, as the pace slowed down, it kind of got that kind of old asphalt, old, you know, hundred lap tire feeling. What's your projections or thought of this next gen, this new next gen, we can't use next gen anymore because it's present gen race car. <laughs> What's your, uh, what, what, what do you think this is going to bring for you guys for this weekend? Well, I thought, you know, some videos and things that I saw from the test, I thought, man, they ripped around there pretty good. I mean, I, I thought it looked really, really good. Obviously, you know, track conditions were perfect and you didn't have somebody in front of you so you could have the track a little bit more prepped. And so, you know, that looked really fun. And then, you know, I think the tires, they, they're a lot harder combination, uh, you know, compound than what we had last year uh, which I think is good we'll be able to run more long green flag runs which I think will make the Bristol dirt race even better than what it was last year because last year the 50 laps that we were able to run 
like was just enough for cars to like start going backwards, you know, about halfway through. And so I think if you could stretch that out to 75 or 100 lap runs, then, you know, then you'll see cars really good early in that run and then kind of struggle late in that run. And, and then you'll have to take care of your tires. So I think that's going to be a good thing. Um, shifting, I'm not sure. We've shifted at just about every short track we've been to. I don't know what the gearing looks like right now, you know, in the car, but that's something that could be totally different than what we had to deal with last year. Uh, I don't suspect us doing that, but you never know. We shifted uh, a thousand or 800 times, I guess, at uh, Martinsville this weekend. So, uh, you know, once every, you know, twice every lap. So uh, we'll see how that goes. Yeah, we didn't expect to shift at Martinsville, and here we are. You know, so it's a it's a neat time, that's for sure. You referenced the video. Stuart Friesen tested up there with one of the cars, and actually, they had I think Nick Hoffman's modified slinging some slinging some clay around and everything else. Did the track? Uh, some people talked about the track looked a little bit different configuration. I think they did remove some of the banking. Did you did you notice some of that as well, Ricky? Yeah, Steve Swift and the guys at uh, you know SMI reached out to Larson and I. I know for sure. I don't know about anybody else, but you know we talked about it last year. Even uh, when we Larson and I went and helped pack the track in the night before the race, uh, like at midnight, uh, we went to go check the track out to see what. You know, see how wet it was and then they're like hey we're getting ready to pack this thing in if you want to jump in a uh, a packer car so we did that uh, we had a lot of fun with that but uh you know we talked about just you know putting some progressive banking in it making the bottom flatter so that maybe uh you know in the race i think we saw it in the late model race the middle to three quarters of the way up at the end of their 30 lap races came in and they were really fast up there so um, you know, they got more banking as you go up the racetrack and we were just trying to make the bottom slower. Um, you know, so taking banking out definitely makes that, uh, you know, that lane slower, uh, if they're both prepped the same. So we'll kind of see, have to see how that, you know, plays out with our cars. Uh, like I said, Stuart Friesen ran right through the middle of the racetrack where more banking was than the bottom. And, uh, and had a lot of speed there. Uh, definitely was faster than I thought he would be. So, um, you know, it could play a factor in, you know, having multiple lanes. Ricky, you kind of referenced it off the bat. Um, it's not been necessarily the season that you guys wanted um, some of the struggles you've had, but I look at where we're at here. The dirt race at Bristol, followed up by Talladega Super Speedway. Y you you have got to have these circle on your calendar. Like, let, let's go, Let's let's get this thing back on track. Yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah, for us, I mean, I was actually really looking forward to the short tracks, just the way the car has been handling on other racetracks for us. I mean, we were, we've obviously been really good at the super speedways with Daytona and Atlanta. We were strong at Fontana and in Vegas, we struggled at Phoenix, but we kind of felt like we knew why. And so then, you know, we went to Richmond with something different than we did Phoenix. And it was kind of the same thing. So that's where we started scratching our head and trying to figure out like, what do we got to do on the short tracks to, you know, get the speed and the handling, you know, like we do at, at other racetracks. So we're, uh, we're still scratching our head after Martinsville. Um, but you know what, we, we got, we got time to figure it out. We've got a lot of racetracks coming up. And like you said, if we can uh, get on a hot streak here, two races would be nice to have, you know, back to back good runs. Uh, if we could duplicate, you know, our, our top five finish from last year in the dirt race, 
obviously you always want to win, uh, but you know, that definitely can carry, carry into the following weekend. And um, you know, Talladega is an important one for us. Ricky, I think about this. You, you just listening to you lay this out, you know, we go super speedway, uh, intermediate track, short track. We had the Coliseum back earlier on. Now we're dirt track racing. It's kind of like, if you don't like what you're doing, just stay tuned a little bit longer because it's shaped. Do you like the, do you like the variety we're seeing in NASCAR and the cup series these days? I do. I mean, the, the racetrack, the schedules, I mean, you, I, you used to know exactly where you're going every week. I have no idea where we go after Talladega. So, um, you know, like I try and take it one week at a time, maybe two weeks at a time, uh, depending on, you know, what our schedule's like and what I'm trying to plan for. But, um, you know, I do love the, the shakeup of the schedule. You know, after this weekend, we've hit every single type of racetrack that we're going to be on. And, Obviously for us as a race team, we know exactly where we need to kind of focus a lot of our effort uh, to get better. Uh, we've had really good speed. We haven't had good finishes, but we've had really good speed at just about every single racetrack we've been to, except those short tracks. So um, if there's anything we can hang our hat on, it's that you know our guys are working really hard. We've got some racetracks kind of figured out of what we need, uh, but we have time to kind of you know put our heads together and, and figure out the short tracks together. So. Um, you know, that's, that's what I like about our, our JTG team is everybody works hard together. Uh, no point in fingers. We're all just trying to figure it out. Um, you know, and I'm trying to give them as much in information as I can from, you know, the race so that, you know, we can make, you know, better calculated decisions on, on what to change to get better. So, uh, definitely like the switch up of the schedules. It definitely seems, you know, crazy to me that. You, know, you can have Denny Hamlin win Richmond and then he's battling with me at Martinsville. And, you know, we had two bad races in a row, you know, and it's, it's just crazy. I think if you hit it right with this new car, you're really fast. If you miss it, it's a handful. Thank you, Posty. Coming up, Alex Hayden will run us through NASCAR's history on Easter. And later, Stuart and Jessica Friesen will join us. This episode is brought to you by AT&T Fiber. And in honor of their straightforward pricing, we're going to have a straightforward moment, just you and me. Be honest. When you're listening to ads like this one right here, you don't just sit there, ears glued and waiting to make a note of interesting offers, do you? Of course not. You're checking out your fantasy stats or catching up on the scores or doing any number of other things you want to do. I get it. I'm not fully paying attention to this ad either. I've got the game playing in a little window on my laptop as I read this. It's called multitasking. And now that we're being straightforward with each other, here's something else that can be totally straightforward. Your internet. No, seriously. Because when you become a gagillionaire with AT&T Fiber, you don't just get super fast internet speeds, you get a bill that's straightforward all the way. Equipment fees, price increase at 12 months, not a thing here. Everything is straightforward the way it should be. And that's it. You can go ahead and check on your fantasy team now. Straightforward is better. No equipment fees, no data caps, no price increase at 12 months. Live like a gagillionaire with AT&T Fiber. Limited availability in select areas. Visit att.com slash hypergig for details. This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. We continue on this week's NASCAR Live. You know, sports are synonymous with holidays here in the United States. The NFL has Thanksgiving. The NBA has Christmas. And college football has New Year's Day. This year, we might see the beginning of a new tradition. NASCAR on Easter. But longtime fans know this isn't a first. Alex Hayden has more. 
When the 2022 NASCAR Cup Series schedule was released, there were lots of parts that raised eyebrows. One of those is occurring this weekend, a NASCAR event on Easter Sunday. Fans will know the series has long avoided racing on Easter. The last time it happened was over 30 years ago. But with so much changing in the sport, this was an opportunity NASCAR could not pass up. Ben Kennedy, NASCAR's Senior Vice President of Strategy and Innovation, said there were a lot of things that lined up correctly for this to work. Bristol Dirt will be moving to Easter Sunday and on primetime, um, a decision that we made. And, you know, I think in the spirit of um, this year's event, you know, we learned that it's important for us to, to make sure that that dirt event is into the evening or under the lights. Um, and we're able to, to secure that primetime window on um, Fox that evening. And you think about all the other sports leagues with, you know, NFL on, on Thanksgiving, NBA on Christmas, you know, this is our opportunity to uh, to run on Easter Sunday and, and drive a lot of momentum for our fans that are watching at home um, through Fox's season and through NBC season from start to finish. This Easter Sunday's race on the dirt at Bristol will be the 12th time NASCAR has raced on the holiday. It was common for the two to overlap during the 1950s and 60s. Richard Petty won three races on Easter Sunday. Then after 1970, there wasn't any planned races on the holiday. It happened by chance. NASCAR Racing, next on MRN Radio. Just four weeks ago, the Winston Cup Series was here in Richmond, Virginia to run the Pontiac Excitement 400. But Mother Nature had a different idea as nearly eight inches of snow covered the state fairgrounds complex, forcing a postponement. But today, in contrast to the snows of four weeks ago, we have a glorious, sunshiny Easter Sunday afternoon. Cloudless skies, temperatures in the 80s, and 36 of NASCAR's finest teams set to do battle. It was 1989 in Richmond. The race's original date delayed due to snow, and the first opportunity to reschedule was Easter. Not only was it a rare occurrence for NASCAR to be racing on this day, it was a rare occurrence for Richard Petty. We're going to fill this place up this afternoon to watch the Winston Cup drivers go in the Pontiac Excitement 400. An awful lot has happened here in the last couple of days, and Eli, certainly the biggest story of the weekend is the fact that STP driver Richard Petty will not be in the starting lineup today. He is started 513 consecutive races, but he will not be in the lineup today. Barney Hall, that's exactly right. You have to go back to November the 7th of 1971. Macon, Georgia was the location. A dispute over appearance money forced Richard Petty to miss that race. But as you say, since then, through all sorts of injuries, illnesses, all sorts of problems, Richard has not missed a race in 513 consecutive starts until today. Future NASCAR Hall of Famer Rusty Wallace's weekend had been rough and required major changes to his car. Let's go down to Jim Phillips of WNPC Radio of Newport, Tennessee. Jim? And with Rusty Wallace, it was a different week for you this week at Richmond. You're on the outside pole, but it was not easy getting there. Not sure it was, and we lost an engine right before qualifying, and we had just barely got another one put in there, and we got real fortunate. We qualified second. The guys did an outstanding job getting it changed in record-breaking time, so my hat's off to the whole Blue Max crew. They did a killer job for me. To say the least, you didn't get a chance to really try out this racetrack last fall here. No, not really, but maybe it'll be different this time. I'm hoping. Good luck to you. Thanks a lot. We should mention, not only does Rusty uh, give credit to the crew, but uh, we were all watching in the garage area yesterday, Barney. Rusty was underneath that car in his driving suit. He said, boy, I ruined about a $600 driving suit, but he was under that car helping the crew uh, change the engine, and even before that, when they thought they might be able to salvage that first engine that they had lost when the uh, oil line 
popped loose. He was under there getting dirty, doing the work with everybody else. Okay, that makes a big difference in a race team when a driver is willing to get in there and get his hands dirty and just stay involved with what's going on on the race car. We'll be going back now to pit road in just a minute. Jeff Bodine had a grip on the field early on in that race, but Alan Kowicki was coming on strong. Jeff Bodine is a leader. Trickle is in the second spot. Earnhardt rides third as they work back into turn number four, back in the fourth position right now. They scoot off into the corner trying to get up a little bit tighter there, and Alan Kowicki is the car that is on the move. He has really come out of that pack of traffic and try to chase now the leader as they work back to turn number one. Ricky Rudd back up to speed trying to stay ahead of leader Jeff Bonine to keep from going a lap down. Rusty Wallace was gaining positions on the racetrack and would become a factor for the win. He pulled off great racing to gain those positions. And now there's all sorts of traffic for Rusty Wallace. He's going to have to try and blaze the trail, splitting the middle of Kenny Schrader and Terry Labonte to get back into turn number one. Then that opening closes in front of Jeff Bodine. That's what you call using some race traffic to your advantage, Joe Moore. Coming off the corner, Bodine looks for the same path and probably shaking his head. How in the world did Rusty get through there? Not working for him. He has to get out of the throttle a bit now as he tries to get by the trader car. I'll tell you what, Rusty Wallace doesn't lift on that throttle too much for anything or anybody. If there's room to get in there or if he even feels like there is, he'll take it right in the corner, pretty much like Dale Earnhardt. A battle for the lead between Alan Kowicki and Rusty Wallace ensued for the remainder of the race. Battle for the lead has not let up a bit. They get back into turn number one. Kowicki is a leader. Wallace is going to work on him on the outside out of turn two. Wallace clears the daylight on the outside of the racetrack, pulls up alongside Alan Kowicki. Kowicki is pouring the steam on down low, but Wallace has the edge in turn three. Now, though, down to the low side of the racetrack, Kowicki comes battling right back. He and Rusty Wallace get about as close as two cars can come without touching. They stay close formation back into turn number one, and now battle again with Kowicki inside of Rusty Wallace for the lead. Wallace has the edge this time, coming off the corner. Here's Kowicki trying to pull back up alongside. Meanwhile, Dale Earnhardt sits behind him in the third spot. Once Wallace got hold of the lead, he didn't let it go. One lap to go, and here comes Kowicki. He's to within a two-car length deficit. He's to within a car length and a half in turn number two for the last time. Kowicki closes in even more, coming off the corner, takes a little lower line off turn number two. Is it going to be there? At the end of the back straightaway, he's still two car lengths behind Wallace. Rusty Wallace takes a good line through the corner. Kowicki will shut it down to about two car lengths but Rusty Wallace will win the Pontiac Excitement 400. He'll beat him by about three car lengths at the start-finish line. Dale Earnhardt will finish third. It was a real tough one it was. Uh, i got to say, Alan was much quicker at the end, I believe, but the Blue Max guys just bailed me out one more time. And uh, Their pit stops are so good, and this is a... Uh, we've only run this car a couple times, and it was a little loose today. We really didn't have time to figure out. Uh, we blew an engine right before practice and had a scramble to change motors and didn't get much track time, And uh, but it worked out good for us. I'm real proud of them. Okay, you've won half of the races so far this year. You and Darrell Walter have taken them all. Well, I can't let them steal my gusto right early, so I'm just trying to get it back. Rusty Wallace would win six races in 1989 and capture his only Cup Series championship that season. The last time NASCAR raced on Easter Sunday, that season's champion won the race. Could Sunday's race on the dirt at Bristol reflect the same? The pressure is on. Thank you, A-Train. Coming up, Stewart and Jessica Friesen will stop by. And we'll also hear from some drivers about what they're expecting this weekend in Bristol. This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. Welcome back to NASCAR Live, the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series, heading off to Bristol Motor Speedway, the dirt version this weekend. Motor Racing Network will have the call. In that race will be not just one Friesen, there will be two. Stewart and Jessica Friesen will be racing in the Penny's Dirt Race at Bristol, and they join us now 
on NASCAR Live. Welcome to you both. How are things today? Great. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Glad to be here. Jessica, we'll start with you. Welcome back to the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series. You raced in Knoxville last summer. Weather dictated that you didn't race last spring. How are you looking forward to the opportunity to race on the Bristol dirt for the first time this weekend? I'm really looking forward to, you know, we got some practice laps uh, last year and got pretty comfortable at Bristol, but unfortunately, like you said, didn't get to, to qualify and run the race, but um, got some laps in the truck at Knoxville and got a little bit comfortable and I'm really looking forward to getting back into it. You know, HFR has done a lot of improvements to our dirt trucks this year and uh, the team's doing an awesome job for, for the, the season. Um, Stuart's results have shown it and uh, looking forward to getting back behind the wheel and, and getting in it. Stuart, what do you think about all that? You're going to have a tough customer there beating quarter panels with you maybe on Sunday, uh, Saturday. Absolutely. No, Jess did a great job for us last year, you know, just helping us uh, kind of analyze our dirt program. Uh, we went into Bristol, kind of resting on our laurels from, from Eldora. And, uh, you know, we had a lot of work to do, so we didn't get the result we wanted at Bristol. You know, made a lot of changes to the 52 truck uh, before the feature at, at, at Knoxville. Kind of threw Jess to the wolves and... Uh, we, we struggled a little bit. It wasn't it wasn't our best showing of the year. And, uh, you know, being uh, dirt racers, um, you know, we were upset about that. So uh, the boys went to work on the trucks over the winter. Uh, a lot of chop cut rebuild on them on the two dirt trucks. And, and hopefully we have uh, better pieces uh, this year because of that. So um, Jess, like I said, Jess is a great teammate, helped us analyze where we were with the trucks and, and uh, you know, made a lot of changes because of that. The husband-wife racing dynamic has always fascinated me. We lived it with Patty Moise and Elton Sawyer when they raced in the Bush Series back in the day. You obviously are dirt racers with Stu. You coming to the Truck Series, Jessica, you coming in as well. Jessica, I'll begin with you. What is it like trying to run a household where you have not one racer in the house, but you have two? Um, it's challenging. <laughs> it's very challenging. Um, you know, we, we're both very competitive. Um, we both want to do everything right. Um, when it comes to our business, our son, our race teams, um, it, it's sometimes challenging, but I mean, we work together and, uh, we critique each other a lot and we analyze everything and we work together to make everything better. So, um, you know, last night I'm working on Parker's kindergarten snack day his Easter snacks until, you know, midnight and building all of these things. And Stuart looked at me and says, are you kidding me right now? You're going to run a NASCAR truck on Saturday. And I'm like, was that an insult? I mean, what, what was that? I have to do both. I'm still a mom. I'm still, you know, we still have a business and, and I still get to, you know, get to race once in a while. So um, it's just a, it's a crazy lifestyle that we live and it's, it's awesome. I want to back up for just a moment, Stu. You tested the next gen car for the cup series. What's your general takeaway of that test? And what information did you provide NASCAR that may help teams this weekend when they go with the next-gen car to Bristol? Yeah, for sure. Well, first of all, it was it was an awesome opportunity uh, to be able to do this for NASCAR and, and work with all the teams together, all the engineers and crew chiefs uh, that participated in the two tests. You know, we started with a car at, at Lancaster in, in mid-December in the cold that it was challenging. It was hard to make a lap without spinning out. You know, we just tried to get you know, the drivability there in the car, some forgiveness uh, in the car and, and threw a lot at it at that test. You know, Goodyear brought a whole bunch of different tires. They threw a lot at it. And, and you know, we left in December there just with a boatload of information. Uh, went to Bristol last week and, and Goodyear refined the tire to, to what they're gonna bring, uh, which I think they did a great job with the tire. Really, really drives well. 100% improvement than the tire we had last year. 
you know, and then just try to dial it in to Bristol to, to make the car forgiving, be able to, to get it bent and, and get sideways on the cushion if that's what it's going to be like, uh, and also have, you know, the adjustability in, in it to run good on the slick. So we did a lot of different stuff, you know, just provided, uh, you know, the most feedback I could uh, to all the different teams and they can listen to that. And, and you know, they, they left with, with a run log of the day. So they can adjust on their cars back in the shop and, and see what they bring. So we did test uh, one session with the windshield out, had Nick Hoffman there with his UMP mod and, and the guys did a good job tilling the track up and getting it muddy um, and, and threw some mud at it. I pulled a couple tear offs and we uh, we covered the cockpit full of mud. And, uh, you know, I'm not sure whether we're there, you know, NASCAR will make the decision to, to race like that this weekend. But, you know, there, there's, you know, some good information there. So we'll see what happens. Uh, it was it was fun to do. And, um, you know, just proud to be a little bit a part of that solution. And hopefully the racing better because of it. That is Stuart and Jessica Friesen. Coming up, we'll preview this weekend's second annual Food City Dirt Race and later this week in NASCAR history. NASCAR Live is brought to you by Blue Emu Maximum Pain Relief, the official pain relief cream of the Motor Racing Network. Blue Emu is family-owned and manufactured here in America. It works fast, and you won't stink. Now, back to Mike Bagley. Welcome back to NASCAR Live. Last year was the first time in 50 years that the NASCAR Cup Series raced on dirt. That race was won by Joey Logano, and that race was not without its chaos and controversy. This year, multiple changes have been made in hopes of creating an even better show. Let's hear what Logano and others are expecting this weekend on the dirt in Bristol. This week marks the third week of a short track trifecta for the NASCAR Cup Series, but with a twist. For the second year in a row, Bristol Motor Speedway will be covered in dirt for the Food City Dirt Race. With last spring being the first time the Cup Series raced on dirt in over 50 years, it was a complete unknown for all of the drivers going in. With the new car and many changes being made to the track and race itself, Alex Bowman says it's all new once again. Yeah, so it's all, it feels all new again, right, with uh, with a new car and, and not knowing what to expect on, on how the car drives. So uh, looking forward to it. I think it being a night race is obviously a great call. Um, we'll, we'll see how it plays out. Hopefully we eliminate some of the struggles from last year, whether it's the dust or the mud and the l just lack of being able to see, really. Uh, I would like to be able to see where my race car is traveling but uh other than that I'm, I'm really looking forward to it the dirt on the track will actually be the same it has been stored on the property at bristol since last year's race but the changes are aplenty last year the banking on the track was a steady 18 to 19 degrees from top to bottom this year there will be progressive banking with 16 degrees on the bottom and 19 degrees at the top of the track in an attempt to create multiple lanes of racing. The race will also be run at night, like a majority of dirt races across the country. Ryan Blaney thinks those changes should make for a better race. From what I know, I feel like the tire is better than what it was last year. Uh, just the tread on it, number one, and it's going to be better because it's wider, tires wider. So it's going to make it a little bit more racy, which will be good. Hopefully adding banking up to the top will let it kind of widen out. Um, being a night race is going to help. When William Byron crossed the finish line first at Martinsville on Saturday night, he became the first multi-time winner of the year. That was his first Cup Series win on a short track. Could he go back-to-back? -back? Byron was pretty blunt. 
when discussing his lack of experience on dirt. I'll be honest, I have no idea what I'm doing, but I think, um, you know, iRacing has helped. You know, they, their dirt model is pretty good. The way the track changes, you know, I feel like I've been trying to watch a lot of dirt races to kind of see, you know, how that all works. And luckily, last year with Bristol Dirt in the cup car, it was pretty much like an asphalt track. It was just a slick asphalt track because it got rubbered in and, uh, you know, you just had to baby the throttle. But I think this year is going to be a little different. So hopefully the running the dirt late model will help me a little bit. Um, I, I want to run a lot more of those because I, you know, I, I feel like they're, they're a full-size car. You can manipulate them. They're not too dangerous, I feel like, for somebody like me who has no experience. And Byron winning on Sunday night might not be as big of a surprise as you think. Martin Truix Jr. went into the weekend with little to no experience on a dirt surface a year ago, but he took to it like a fish to water. A day late, but definitely not a dollar short. Here comes Martin Truex Jr. to the line. Martin Truex Jr. scores the upset and wins the Penny's Truck Race on Dirt at Bristol. This year's Cup Series drivers, Harrison Burton, Austin Dillon, and Joey Logano will race in Saturday's Truck Series race to get some extra track time going into Sunday. Logano will be looking to go two for two in terms of NASCAR on Dirt after he outdueled Denny Hamlin in the closing stages of the Cup Series race to claim his only win of the season last year. Why were drivers with so little dirt experience able to topple some of the best on dirt? Logano has an interesting take. My, my honest opinion is that if you make it to the cup level, you're a pretty dang good driver. Bottom line, dirt, asphalt, anything in between, you get it. I think that's probably what was surprising to most. And, and you, know, you give somebody that's pretty good a little bit of time to figure it out, they're, they're going to get going, right? And, you know, and, and I also think the other piece to it is as the track got slicker and drier, it became more like asphalt. Um, you know, drove a little bit more like a traditional car would. So... Um, not completely, obviously, but a little bit that way. And and the other things, too. I mean, listen, all these drivers, just because they don't have dirt experience doesn't mean they're not in their backyard driving a four-wheeler now and again or a side-by-side or something. Like. And, I, and, and I know that sounds kind of goofy and there's not much to that, but there really is to me. I think so. so I'm, I'm out every day riding my quad with my kid on his go-kart. Right? And, and as, as dumb as that is, I'm still pushing something to the limit on dirt and, and understand it a little bit of, of when it's tacky, when it's dry, when, and those type of things, and trying to figure it out. I, as goofy as that sounds, I, I believe in that. Um, you know, and I believe it helped me last year, last year. Um, so, you know, I'll continue to, to kind of do that stuff. Obviously, it's fun anyways, but there, there'll be plenty of questions, I guess, this week to still answer. Will Logano and others be able to keep the dirt aces like Kyle Larson and Christopher Bell out of victory lane again? We'll find out on Sunday night. Thank you, Kyle. Coming up, Susie Armstrong has this week in NASCAR history. Today's broadcast is brought to you by Blue Emu Maximum Pain Relief, the official pain relief cream of the Motor Racing Network. This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. We're about to head for the exits on this week's NASCAR Live, but before we do, it's that time again. It's time for this week in NASCAR history. Here's Susie Armstrong. Thanks, Mike. 1986. 
Prince and the Revolution pulled a two-week coup at the top of Billboard's Hot 100 with the mega-hit Kiss. Pro-golfing legend Jack Nicklaus played the final 10 holes seven under par with six birdies and an eagle to win a record 18th major championship in the 50th Masters. And Dale Earnhardt aced the track too tough to tame, dominating the Trans-South 500 at Darlington Raceway. goes high in turn two. He holds down third spot. Bonnet trying to get beneath him. Can't quite make the move. Earnhardt will finish off this day of total domination, it looks like, with a victory. Waltrip now. Two or three car lengths starts to close in, but Earnhardt taking it very cautious now through turns three and four. It looks like Allison will lock up third. Earnhardt comes off the corner just like he has all day long, brings the car down to the line, and he's going to win it by three car lengths. A challenge for the second spot. The classic Queen hit Bohemian Rhapsody surged on radio following frontman Freddie Mercury's untimely passing as associates organized an all-star concert at Wembley Stadium in London paying homage to the legendary singer. After French radio warned of traffic nightmares, Euro Disneyland opened just east of Paris to a lackluster crowd of only 25,000. And Davy Allison shined in North Carolina, leading the final 88 laps of the first Union 400 at North Wilkesboro Speedway. Away, Rusty right as well as Bumper looking to the inside for a chance to get by. Wallace looks to the inside, but Davy Allison has the momentum and the lead and the win in the first Union 400. His 15th career win, his second win of the year after the victory in the Daytona 500 by STP. Two thousand eight. It didn't take an Einstein to know Mariah Carey was on the airwaves as the E equals M C squared lead single "Touch My Body" topped the charts and vaulted the superstar past Elvis Presley in total career number ones. Danica Patrick made IndyCar history as the first female event winner, taking the checkers at Twin Ring Motegi. And Jimmy Johnson dominated in the desert, driving to victory in the Subway Fresh Fit 500 at Phoenix Raceway. I will hunt you down, cause baby, I'm up in my business like a winning interview. But this is between you and I. side he can almost coast it home from here maybe he is jimmy johnson leads the field off turn four jimmy johnson rolls it down the victory lane coasting around here he saves the fuel and scores the first win of the year for henrik motorsports where he won last fall jimmy johnson gets the subway fresh fit 500 at phoenix 
And those are just some of the events from this week in NASCAR history. Thank you, Susie. Be sure to join us for another installment of NASCAR Live Wide Open. It drops every Thursday. And if you've already subscribed to NASCAR Live, you'll automatically get it. If you haven't, you can get it where you get your podcasts. No NASCAR Live race day for you this weekend. The Performance Racing Network will have the call from Bristol. We'll rejoin you the following week at Talladega after one week from tonight. We're back with NASCAR Live on Tuesday. Our thanks to Martin Truex Jr. for joining us. Also, our thanks to Ricky Stenhouse Jr. and the Friesens, Stuart and Jessica. And for the rest of the MRN team, I'm Mike Bagley. We thank you for joining us as well. We'll talk to you right back here next week, Tuesday night, 7 p.m. Eastern time with another edition of NASCAR Live. Until then, so long, everyone. NASCAR Live is a production of the Motor Racing Network with studios in Concord, North Carolina, and was brought to you by Blue Emu Maximum Pain Relief, the official pain relief cream of NASCAR. It works fast, and you won't stink. And by Toyota. For the latest Toyota racing information, visit toyotaracing.com. Today's broadcast was produced by Alexa Wesselman, Julian Council, and Trey Downing. The executive producer for MRN is Ryan Horn. Remember to visit MRN.com for all of the latest news and information. NASCAR Live is produced under an exclusive license with NASCAR. Any use of the accounts and descriptions contained in this broadcast must be with the express written permission of NASCAR and the Motor Racing Network. Buying a house can feel like you're going 200 miles per hour in bumper-to-bumper traffic with a dirty windshield and the sun in your eyes. Ruoff Mortgage has the technology, expert staff, and resources to simplify the process while speeding up the time it takes to get clear to close. So while getting a loan can seem intimidating, Ruoff Mortgage will have you opening the door to your new home fast and stress-free. Visit Ruoff.com to learn more. That's Ruoff.com.